0: The Proverbs give us general wisdom as to how we are to live pleasing unto the Lord. And sometimes these Proverbs can be like riddles. But the more we meditate on them, the more goodness we get from them. When we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible commentary to help encourage your time in the Word. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we feature New Testament study, an Old Testament book on Thursday, and our Q&A on Friday. Now here's your teacher, Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. We come back to our study of the book of Proverbs here on this Thursday. So we're in our Old Testament study. We're up to Proverbs chapter 20, 30 verses in this particular chapter. So we'll split this in half and do 15 this week, 15 the next I'm reading out of the Legacy Standard Bible. This is Proverbs 20, starting in verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The terror of a king is like the roar of a lion. He who provokes him to anger sins against his own soul. It is a glory for a man to cease quarreling, but any ignorant fool will break out in dispute. The sluggard does not plow from winter on, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of discernment draws it out. Many a man will call out his own loving kindness, but a faithful man who can find? A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. A king who sits on the throne of justice, disperses all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean from my sin. Differing weights and differing measures, both of them are an abomination to Yahweh. It is by his deeds that a young man makes himself known if his conduct is pure and right. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, Yahweh has made both of them. Do not love sleep, lest you become poor. Open your eyes, and you will be satisfied with food. Bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes his way, then he boasts. There is gold and an abundance of pearls, but the lips of knowledge are a more precious vessel. We come back to verse one, which started the chapter with this proverb. Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So you'll notice the way those two alcoholic beverages are described. Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler. That tends to be what they produce, right? When a person gets drunk, they either become a mocker or they become a brawler. They turn into somebody violent, will fight with others. But consider the personification there. So wine is a mocker. A person who is addicted to alcohol, it might be like the the alcohol mocks at them, right? Somebody says, oh, I'm not under control. I'm not addicted. I'm not an addict. And wine mocks at them. Yeah, you are. Come on, come get another drink. And they give right into it again. Strong drink, a brawler. A person fights against that addiction, but they tend to lose without help. If they try to do it on their own, they just give right back into it and do it again. So the second half of the proverb is whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Do not think that you are stronger than you really are. And we've been talking about this as we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Looking this week at those examples from the Old Testament where the people were tempted and they fell. And in verse 11, Paul says, these things happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have arrived. We're in the last days in this age in which we live. Verse 12, therefore, let him who thinks he stands Take heed that he does not fall. Do not even put yourself in a position to be tempted. What's the best way to avoid becoming an alcoholic? It's to not drink alcohol at all, right? (laughs) Now, you can say I have liberty to drink alcohol and it's fine as long as I don't get drunk. That's true. But have you not put yourself in a position to potentially get drunk? Now, some Have control over that. That's going to be between you and the Lord. But again, the best way to prevent yourself from being led astray is to not even go anywhere near it. And there are a number of temptations that this could apply to, not just regarding alcohol. Verse two, the terror of a king is like the roar of a lion. He who provokes him to anger sins against his own soul. Look at the beginning of that proverb. The terror of a king is like the roar of a lion. Now, this isn't in reference to a king who is like a tyrant or a terror, right? But it's rather the fear of the king. And how is that like the roar of a lion? Well, when you hear a lion roar, you know that danger is near. You're not going to go in the direction of the roar, right? So fear of the king, knowing that the king could issue a judgment against you. Fear of that is like the roar of a lion. That's a warning to you not to provoke the king. Don't go over there and poke the lion, <laughs> because if you do, he who provokes him to anger sins against his own soul. You go over and poke the lion, and you're you're risking your own life. Now, you might be tempted to read this and think, okay, we're talking about a king here, so this is this is like a local magistrate. Don't make the police angry. Or or you've sinned against your own soul, or don't make the governor angry, or the president angry, or something like that. I'm going to say in the context of the other Proverbs that we have around it, this is also talking about not going near the sin. Don't even put yourself in a position to be tempted. Don't even go over there and poke the lion because it's going to jump up and devour you. And and you could understand that in a couple of different ways. You have Christ described as a lion. He's the lion of Judah. And you also have Satan described as a lion. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he's like a roaring lion searching for somebody to devour. So Christ is our judge, therefore. In fear of the Lord, we're going to stay away from any of those things that would lead to unrighteousness. We're going to walk in the path of righteousness out of that reverent fear of God. Or you could also see it as knowing that Satan is a a very present enemy and seeking someone to devour wants to tempt us away from God. And so we're going to flee from Satan. As James puts it also in James chapter four, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we don't go anywhere near those things. That way we not be given into temptation and therefore sin against our own soul. So as I said, it's because of the way that proverb falls in with the rest of these, that appears to be the context. Look at the next one, verse three. It is a glory for a man to cease quarreling, but any ignorant fool will break out in dispute. So you're talking about a man fleeing from quarreling. What was the first proverb that we read? Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler. Whoever led astray by it is not wise. This one is a man who is fleeing from quarreling, but ignorant fools break out in dispute. So you see how verse two falls in between those two, resisting sin, staying away from the lion, knowing that, It might consume us if we get too close to it. So we're resisting temptation. We're staying away from quarrels. But any ignorant fool will break out in dispute. The ignorant fool is the self-willed person. So he does not go after the will of God, but rather his own way. He will fall into temptation. He will quarrel with others. He will be consumed by his own desires. We go on to verse 4. The sluggard does not plow from winter on, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. A lazy man does not do his work, and so he he ends up finding himself having to beg for food rather than having that which he has worked for. Now, you can also apply this in a spiritual way. And I went through this with uh, uh, my Sunday school class just recently as we're in First Thessalonians. So as we're closing out First Thessalonians toward the end of the chapter in First Thessalonians, chapter five, beginning in verse uh, 14, it says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. When we see that instruction to admonish the idle, right away we might think, hey, those who are lazy, tell them to get up and do their work. But as it falls with the rest of those instructions, there's something spiritual about it. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. So the idle is the person who's rather become slack in their spiritual responsibilities, their obligation to the church, or maybe even their own spiritual disciplines. They're not regular in prayer. Uh, They don't rejoice and give thanks to God, since those are instructions that are coming up. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. A person who has become spiritually lazy is, is not growing in their faith. And so admonish such a person that they would not become slack in their sanctification but that they would continue to pursue Christ. And even here, as we read this in Proverbs 20, verse 4, we see that there's a spiritual application to this. The sluggard does not plow from winter on, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. Well, if we have not been doing our work in season and out of season, remember what Paul said to Timothy about preaching the word? Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. If we have not been doing that with regularity, then, on the day that we truly need that spiritual encouragement, we're going to come up lacking. We're going to come up begging. You enter into a spiritual trial, a, a, well, not even a spiritual trial, a physical trial, right? You get sick. You have some kind of ailment in your body. You end up in a financial struggle or you're in some sort of emotional weight. Because of loss or stress or anxiety or something else, if you have not found yourself prepared for those days, storing up the promises of God that we have in his word, then when you come into those days of stress or anxiety, you're going to find yourself a beggar rather than somebody who has been comforted by the word of Christ. He begs during the harvest and has nothing. We go on to verse five. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. But a man of discernment draws it out. And this goes right back with the previous proverb. When we're talking about uh, being diligent to grow in spiritual maturity. So it serves us well with comfort in the days that we need to be comforted, right? That was what we were talking about regarding verse 4. So now in verse 5, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. Now, that's a good thing. Even though you have the word but in there in the middle part of verse 5, that doesn't mean it's, it's like, uh, but the counsel was bad. So the man of discernment draws it out. It's good to have counsel deep in our hearts. And where do we get that counsel from? We get it from God's word, but we must not only We must not only have this counsel stored up in our mind and in our heart. We must know how to draw upon it. We must know how to live according to it. Hence the statement in the second part of verse five, a man of discernment draws it out. A wise man knows how to draw upon the counsel that we've received from God According to his word. So don't just know the word, but know how to apply it and live according to it and be comforted by it in the days that you need it the most. We go on to verse six. Many a man will call out his own loving kindness, but a faithful man who can find so as we're talking about a person who calls out his own loving kindness, this is somebody who he does kind deeds for others, but he makes sure other people see the kind things that he's done. So he calls it out. Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter six. Those who will do kind things for others and they sound a trumpet. Look how giving I am. Look what I've done uh, and, and how generous a person I can be so that they receive praise from men. Jesus says instead, give to Give to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So as it says here, many a man will call out his own loving kindness, will praise himself. But a faithful man who can find the one who does kindness not to receive praise from others, but he just is looking out for his fellow man. That kind of person is is more rare the person who does it out of genuine love who doesn't want to receive praise from others who can find uh, that's a rare gem indeed because what is our tendency to be in our human nature our tendency is to be selfish self-centered self-praising we go on to verse seven a righteous man who walks in his integrity how blessed are his sons after him So what this proverb is saying is that a person who has integrity and that's someone who will speak truth and also does it. So what they say they do, you will see by their actions that they're totally consistent. They live according to what they preach. They practice what they preach. And those who walk after him will be blessed. That's the reference to the sons. How blessed are his sons after him who will walk in his ways who will follow in the ways of their father. Now, this does not have to be talking about, you know, physical posterity or your, your actual blood children. It can also be talking about your spiritual children. So if you are a man or a woman who walks with integrity and uh, you are influencing people who will come after you, who will follow your example and they will be blessed to follow your example. They're like spiritual children in this regard. So share the gospel of Jesus Christ and walk in obedience to the Lord. And anyone else who uh, would desire to imitate your ways will find themselves blessed also. Verse eight, a king who sits on the throne of justice disperses all evil with his eyes. We're talking about a just king here. And if he sits on a throne that does justly, that does what God says is just, then just by looking at the wrong, he'll disperse evil. Evil will flee from him. They don't want to be seen by his gaze because they know the evil knows, hey, if we're found out by the king, he will do justly with us. He'll issue justice. We'll be punished. We will suffer, and so the evil will flee from him. Either we'll not be present at all, or will, you know, slink off into the darkness. We should desire to have righteous rulers, because where we have righteous rulers, whether it's a local government, or state, or national government, then uh, there's there's less evil in our culture, or in the society. But we should also consider this in the way that we might live within our own homes, If we are just persons, then how can evil dwell in our home with us or in our churches? If we desire justice, if we do what is right according to what God says is right in his word, then the evil doesn't want to be anywhere in our presence because does not want to fall under judgment, correct? So live justly and evil is dispersed. It stays away when we commit ourselves to the ways of God. Verse nine, who can say I have kept my heart pure? I am clean from sin. This is a rhetorical question. The answer to that question is nobody. No one can say I have kept my heart pure. I am clean from sin except Jesus Christ. He is the only man who is ever sinless. The God man lived a perfect life to become the spotless lamb On our behalf, who was sacrificed for us as an atoning sacrifice, a propitiation for our sins, so that whoever believes in him will not perish under the judgment of God. But we likewise will be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We go on to verse 10, differing weights and differing measures Both of them are an abomination to Yahweh. This even kind of goes back to verse 8 a little bit. A king who sits on the throne of justice, disperses all evil with his eyes. But the one who does not deal justly, who uses differing weights and differing measures, that's an abomination to God. What is differing weights and differing measures? Well, you know, when you read in the law about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, This is a call to just weights and measures that the punishment should fit the crime. And it needs to be the same for everybody. You don't deal with a rich person one way and with a poor person another way. The same sins receive the same punishments, no matter who it is that does it. That's a just weight and a just measure. But a person who has differing weights and differing measures, who deals with people in different ways, who shows prejudice or bigotry uh, or is is. Partial rather than impartial. This is an abomination to God. And we are told in James 2.1 to show no partiality as we hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Going back to verse 9. Who can say that I've kept my heart pure? I am clean from sin. All have sinned and all need the gospel. And may we not withhold it from anybody but that all would hear the good news of Jesus Christ and believe in him and be saved. Verse 11, it is by his deeds that a young man makes himself known if his conduct is pure and right. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter five? But let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Verse 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, Yahweh has made both of them. So we give glory to God for the wonders that are these created things that we have in our bodies. The eye, how intricate is the eye, how lovely it is, and with it we may see, and the ear that we may hear. Do you contemplate or think about just how complex the eye and the ear are? And yet, an all-knowing God has made them. So he also sees all, and he hears all. He who has made the eye and has made the ear also sees and also hears. And there's a spiritual way that this must apply as well, that we do more than see physically with our eyes and hear with our ears, but even with these things God has given to us, We know that we should be discerning, looking for that which is good and avoiding that which is evil and listening, knowing that which is truth and that which is a lie and warning others about the impending doom that comes with those who go after sin or listen to the lies, turn from these things to Jesus Christ and live. Let me finish with one more. Verse 13, do not love sleep lest you become poor, open your eyes and you will be satisfied with food. Let me finish with these words from the apostle Paul in first Thessalonians chapter five. And this will bring uh, the first proverb Proverbs 20 verse one together with what we just read in verse 13. Okay. This is concerning the return of the Lord. And Paul says this now concerning the times and the seasons brothers, You have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness." through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Amen. This has been When We Understand the Text of Pastor Gabriel Hughes. For all of our podcasts, episodes, videos, books, and more, visit our website at www.utt.com. If you'd like to submit a question to this broadcast, or just send us a comment, email text at gmail.com and let your friends know about our ministry. Join us again tomorrow as we grow together in the study of God's Word when we understand the text.